Welcome to the Forager Podcast, where I talk with cottage food businesses about their strategies for running a food business from home. I'm David Crable, and today I am talking with Diana Shockley. Diana owns a pie shop in Carmichael, California called I Love Pie, but she started as a cottage food business baking her pies from home. She began her business only two years ago in 2018, and after just a year and a half of running her home-based business, she expanded into her brick-and-mortar bakery last year. Many cottage food businesses dream of opening a brick-and-mortar shop someday, so Diana, I know many people will want to hear your story. Welcome to the show. It's great to be talking to you today. Yeah, thank you, David. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be uh, one of your first guests on your podcast. Actually, the timing of this couldn't be better. Um, tomorrow is actually my two-year anniversary of having my very, very first pie stand at the farmer's market. Our first day going live is tomorrow, so timing is kind of fun. Congrats on that. That's a huge thank achievement. Thank you. <laughs> so Diana actually lives very close to me. We both live in Carmichael, just outside of Sacramento, California. And I first met her in 2018 back at the farmer's market. And that was when I was actually looking into selling my fudge at the farmer's market and kind of getting an idea for what it would be like to set that up. And Diana, you were one of the very first people who really encouraged me to move into that farmer's market. And then a year later, I was selling alongside you. Yeah, it it's it's really fun. It's a lot, you got to put in a little bit of work and time to, you know, get fully set up to be out there to do everything, you know, legally, correctly, you know, your business license, your cottage food permit, your multi-event vendor permit so that you can sell your stuff at farmers markets and other festivals and stuff. It's a little bit of a process to start, but you know, once you're rolling, then you're just going out there and selling your stuff and hopefully having fun and making money. Yeah. <laughs> We have a lot to get into today, but I want to roll back to the beginning. That's two years ago exactly. Mm -hmm. Walk us through why you tried, decided to start this business and, of course, why pie? Well, it's always been a goal of mine to open a bakery someday. I always thought it would be something that I would do, you know, much later in life, like maybe when I retired and, you know, just thinking about it a lot and I did go to culinary school and took some baking and pastry classes and some business classes um, a few years ago and um, you know I had a you know normal day job Monday through Friday you know nine to five and I wanted something that I can do with my daughter on the weekends to just spend more time with her let her get involved in you know what the launch of a project kind of looks like and she's a little brainiac so I always picked her brain for ideas you know because she's um, about to be 12 and just the mind of a child that age they just think of things that sometimes you know I wouldn't have thought of so you know we're doing it as a hobby you know like you know a pie stand would be really fun where could we do it and then you know where do you set up pie stands where like one of my, I think, Google searches at the time and farmers markets were popping up. And I thought, well, duh, like that's exactly where you would see something like this. So we visited uh, several farmers markets and both my daughter and I, you know, decided, you know, Carmichael one's kind of fun. Like, I like this one. And mind you, we were looking at these markets in February, so it wasn't really a clear picture of what they look like, you know, at their peak season. So we you know, talked to the market manager, got set up, and two years ago tomorrow, like we set up our first uh, booth. I remember being out there, it was cold, wore two pairs of pants, like three shirts and a sweater, and I had my pies out there, and I'm looking at her, I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, what are we doing? This is ridiculous. Uh, and our first little customer walks up, we're like, oh my god, customer, customer, customer. <laughs> And uh, we sold out that day. So it was really like, oh, that was fun. You know, sold all of our pie. <laughs> wow, nice. So how many pies did you choose to bring to the very first the market? The first market, we brought 30 pies. And, um, you know, when we do the farmer's market, we do the smaller six-inch pies. Yeah, it was 30. We sold out that day. And, you know, yes, some of it was, you know, brand new customers. Some of it was family and friends that, of course, came out to support me. Um, like my very first customer that walked my up to my booth was actually my sister. <laughs> I think we all have that kind of yeah. experience. My first day selling fudge like, oh, was hi, a lot of family and friends coming. <laughs> yeah, to it's good. That's how it should be. Yeah. So, why did you choose to do pie in particular? 
I've always been obsessed with pie and I really got sort of like super obsessed maybe two or three years before I did my first farmer's market. I just got good at making pie and pie crust and I would just make it at home for neighbors, family and friends, obviously holidays. And, you know, then I experimented with other recipes and fresh fruit and I was just like, oh my God, pie is so much fun to make. And it is a lot of work, but it, to me, like making the dough is just like so much fun when you like really do it like like the most natural way possible. Like you're using your hands, you're not using machines or anything, you're just crumbling that flour with that butter. Um, it's so much fun and very therapeutic, I think. Um, I used to have like pie themed parties at my house. We'd invite like invite like 40 plus friends and I would um, have like pie themed games. We'd do like a little backdrop that looked like a pie stand. This is like way before I even thought I was going to have one. Um, you know, we'd make mini pies because I like the, I just like the way the little mini ones look. They look so cute. Um, so we'd make, um, you know, like 50 plus mini pies, like nine different flavors, you know, several of each. And we'd lay them out everywhere. And basically this pie party would be like a pie tasting party for fun. Like just to come over, taste some pie. We do a pie walk instead of a cake walk to send people home with like the pies that were left over. Pie eating contests. Like we have some funny pictures of that. And I think at that point is when I made like these little felt headbands where I, we were wearing little tiny pie hats. Um, my daughter and I made one. And then that kind of became one of my signature looks when I was at the farmer's market. People love the hat. They're like, I, I wore it every single Sunday without fail to my market. And so did Caitlin when my daughter came out with me. She wore her little pumpkin pie hat. So it's funny. I'm like, actually, I'm like, I had these hats before we did this. <laughs> Because that's how obsessed I was. So that's, that's kind of where it stemmed from. So that's, you know, when we decided to do a hobby um, and sell pies, like pies was the, the easy, obvious choice for me and for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because what, what what kind of flavors do you sell? Oh, my gosh. So many. I have 60 plus recipes of pie. But my favorite pies to make are the fruit pies because being at the farmer's market, you get first pick of the best, you know, local, locally grown fruit that's out there. So, you know, our blueberries, blackberries, the apricots, peaches, cherries. So, I mean, the fruit pies are just the best when the fruit is fresh and ripe and, you know local and, you know, it's not ripening on some truck coming from who knows where. So... How many flavors did you start with way back when? Um, I think my rotation, like my very first market, I think we had like three kinds of pie. Um, and then we were doing, you know, four to five flavors per farmer's market. And then in the peak of our season, our first year, um, when we were doing like 60 to 70 of the six inch pies, we tried to have like six at least different flavors because all the fruits in season at that point. So it's hard to make a decision. It's like, okay, do we want to bring, you know, 20 cherry pies? Because like we got like a ton of cherries, but like not everyone wants cherries. So it's okay. We do some of these, some of those just a variety because people have different preferences and some people aren't even like fruit pie at all they just like the cream pies you know which when I was a cottage food vendor I didn't do cream pies because that was one of the things you weren't able to do yeah what I like about your story is that you didn't do anything revolutionary right I mean a lot of people who get started in this business they have this mindset they have to do something different right in order to be competitive they have to yeah. come up with some new product that nobody's ever thought yeah, of before. absolutely and that that's that's one of the things like business books tell you, you know, if you're going to, you know, start a business, you know, you want to be, you know, the first to market, you want to be the best or have some kind of unique edge or have like a, some kind of niche idea twist on whatever. I wanted to open a pie shop, but you know, I thought well, that's going to be way down the line. And we, when we opened our pie stand, a pie shop opened in the area at the same time. And I'm like, shoot, someone beat me. And yes, there are some other like pie shops or pie cafes that aren't just pie shops, but they serve food as well. And, you know, there are some that have been in this area and come and gone. I definitely knew I wasn't the first ever, but um, there wasn't a go-to pie place. And I wanted to be the first. I wasn't quick enough, so there was another shop that opened. And so I'm like, okay, well, then I need to be the best. I strive to, you know, take my time on the pies and do things correctly and make every single one delicious. There were times where, like, maybe a pie that would look perfectly good to someone else like did not meet my standards or a particular pie box got 
too smudgy from like fingerprints of like butter. I wouldn't use that box. I would throw it away and like it has to look good. It has to be consistent. The quality has to be consistent. And so I was really strict about that then. I'm really strict about that with my team now. And I think people like that when they come, they knew what they were getting and that it was good every single time. So... Yeah, certainly. We live just near Sacramento. So there are dozens and dozens of farmers markets, grocery stores, bakeries. I mean, clearly, this isn't the first time someone's tried to sell pie in the area, right? (laughs) So there'd be a slew of competition. But what we want to figure out today is, why do you think you succeeded when a lot of other people have probably sold baked goods at the farmers market, the same one you sold at? And they've struggled or maybe haven't had the success you've had. Do you have any initial thoughts on that? Yeah, I think one of the biggest contributors to our success at the markets um, as a cottage food vendor uh, was consistency. I've seen some really good products, people that come out there, you know, as a cottage food and they start to develop a following and then they're gone for like a month or two months or they have... You know, I mean, things happen in life, sure. But, um, you know, people, you know, the, the customers will come around that going to the farmer's market every weekend or every whatever day they go is their routine. That's where they get their vegetables. That's where they get their food. And so you want to become part of their routine. You want your stop to be one of their regular stops. It's consistency. I sacrificed so much that first year. I I commuted like 45 minutes to work Monday through Friday and then 45 to an hour and a half on our way back home just going you know rush hour traffic the freeways here so congested my daughter's school is not close to my house and it was it was a big toll on me but then like I looked forward to the weekend you know on all day Saturday we'd bake and then on Sunday we'd go to the market and even though I didn't get a break or a day off I was very adamant about going out there every week I didn't really go visit my parents very much that year. You know, there were people who had weddings and bridal showers. And like there were, if there was a wedding on Saturday, I'd bake. I'd start like working on my pies before. And then like when the wedding was over, I'd get home. Like I'd finish baking my pies. And I'd go to bed at midnight or one in the morning because I wasn't going to miss my market. Like my customers are waiting for me. They're expecting it. And consistency. Consistency is absolutely, the, I think, the number one reason why we were successful. Obviously, my pie crust. <laughs> The crust has to be good, but um, like the business aspect, I feel like the consistency was it for sure. Yeah, that's excellent advice. I remember when I first met you and I asked you, what's been the most surprising thing about starting this business? And you said, honestly, just how many people buy pie all the time. (laughs) And that's the thing with pie. We live in a very health conscious area Mm -hmm. where it's all about organic and eating healthy. And pie is not known as being a healthy right. kind of Right, yeah, food. definitely not our pies. Especially <laughs> for a farmer's market. Yeah. Why do you think you were so successful? I think it's just that darn good. <laughs> I was surprised. I thought 30 going out the first day was a lot, you know. But I'm like, okay, well, I don't know how many people come out here. You know, hundreds of people go to the farmer's market in one day. They, they, it doesn't seem like a lot, but if you count them, there's hundreds of people that go through there. Even a slower market, there's hundreds of people. And I think the farmer's market in particular, the one of the reasons why I did the small pies, not just because they look freaking cute, but because it doesn't look intimidating. If I want them to keep buying pie, they need to finish that pie. So that next week when they come back, they're getting a different flavor or they want another one. And, you know, we would have people that were like a family of four and they'd split that little pie into four little pieces I mean, you know, definitely you can sit down and, you know, totally eat that whole little pie. I've been known to do that several times. But I think the size, you know, that's why people were, you know, it didn't, it wasn't like an intimidating thing. It was, you know, all in moderation, you know. But yeah, it was, it was really surprising how many people like, I think when you find something that tastes good and a thing that I definitely need to point out is our pies don't have that much sugar in them because the fruit is so ripe and so sweet. I always would eat some of the fruit before I determined how much sugar I was going to add. Um, but on average, most of our pies have a 20% sugar to fruit ratio in weight. So, you know, even being a cottage food vendor, like one of the first things that I bought was a scale um, so that it would be consistent every time, you know, because the volume and the air in a pile of fruit or two cups of flour is just, it just can vary so much. So when you bake, you want to weigh. I always was really strict about the amount of sugar. If you Google like a standard blueberry pie recipe or a cherry pie recipe, any any kind of fruit pie recipe, it is 40% on average. That is 
so much sugar. You're not having a jam pie. It's supposed to be like a fruit pie. You're supposed to taste the fruit. And that's, again, the consistency, right? You were talking the consistency. earlier about mm-hmm. the consistency of going to the market, but that's consistency of the product. Yes, consistency, yeah. I should put that in big, giant letters in our kitchen right now so everyone knows. That's our <laughs> top priority here. So walk <laughs> us through the pricing. I, one thing that's unique about you is that you sell smaller pies, mm-hmm. six-inch pies. Mm-hmm. How did you price those pies starting from day one up until now? Yeah, well, in culinary school, you learn how to price and cost um, recipes. So I just kind of applied what I learned there. You know, how much sugar goes into like making a batch of pies, divide that by the number of pies and you get a super small amount, but then like how much does sugar cost? Divide that by grams and you get like how much each ingredient costs for your pie. So depending on what is in season, how much the vendors are charging for their fruit, you know, I pretty much did an average. Like some pies I didn't make a lot of money on. Other pies, they were really inexpensive to make. So it was all about the balance with the numbers. I wasn't really that interested in making a ton of money from it when I first started. And I'm like looking at this little pie and I'm thinking of myself as a consumer. And I'm like, I don't know, like... Oh, seven or eight bucks for this guy? Like, let's cost it out. And like, I was only making a few bucks per pie, which definitely did not pay for my time. But again, when I first started, it was for fun. Like, I was making my money on my day job, you know? So I didn't need it. And then, you know, it was getting serious. We did raise our price up $1 the following year. So right now we just want to stay there. So it's like they're $9. And on average, we make like $5 per pie. And so it's all about like, whipping out like quantities so that you know you can get through a ton at one time you know in the peak of our summer we're doing 60 to 70 pies and then you know we've done like a peach festival where we sold you know 130 pies and sold out in a couple hours we did an out of town apple blossom festival and we brought 300 plus pies and we sold out of those so it's you know once you get a good system and a good timeline you just whip those out and you get good at it you get fast but you know, again, the quality and the consistency, you can't sacrifice that. I know that you started by not making a lot of money because mm-hmm. you weren't making a lot of profit. Yeah. But now this is your full-time thing. Yeah. So how has that worked out? Because you're still selling pies at $9. Yeah. You, you're making a full-time income off of it, I guess. Yeah. So we do still sell the six-inch pies at the farmer's markets. When we can get out there, hopefully we'll be getting out there more consistently. Um, but those six-inch pies, I, I just don't want them to go any higher than that. You know, people should be able to afford a good treat. But in our pie shop, we sell eight inch pies. So we sell big pies and pies by the slice. And we have other products too. You know, we have salted caramel in jars. We do pie pops. We buy wholesale jams and resell them in the shop. We now have wholesale coffee beans and we resell them in the shop for just a little markup. You know, our margins are small on those things, but we're not, we're not making them. We have ice cream and coffee and tea and those things have high, they're a high markup. So overall the shop is really picking up and it we're doing it so so when did you get to the point that you decided you needed to move from a home kitchen Mm -hmm. into your own kitchen you actually skipped a step most people just move into a shared commercial kitchen you went straight to having your own kitchen yeah um well even though you know I had a really good job and I was making some money on the weekends you know, we have a lot of expenses um, in our family. So it wasn't, it was one of those things like, it's going to take me so long to save up enough money. And my business wasn't old enough to show, you know, profit for two years so I can go to a bank and get a loan. Um, Like I wanted it now. Building out a commercial kitchen was not in the budget and just definitely not economically feasible for my business. So I decided to start scoping out locations that already had a kitchen in them. And I'm not cooking savory foods. So, you know, the laws and the requirements for a smaller kitchen are different when you're not doing some of those things, um, like using meats and fish or whatever. Um, So I was like, okay, let's look for a space that there was either already a bakery in there or a restaurant in there that closed or a coffee shop that closed. They'll have what I need and then we can fix it up. And that way, a $30,000, $40,000 build out now went down to like $10,000. And that was a lot more doable. You know, we found that location and then I wasn't ready yet financially. I wasn't ready to go for it, but it was so hard to find those. It's not like coffee shops are closing left and right, you know? 
And so I was like, we need to move into this space like ASAP. So we were just a few thousand dollars short. So we started a Kickstarter campaign where people, family and friends will make a pledge to give you X amount of money if you reach your goal. So I I believe like our goal was like $5,000 or something like that. And so uh, we reached our pledge goal. And then when you reach your goal, then, you know, everyone gets charged the pledge that they <laughs> that they did. You know, I got the money and then it's like, okay, here we go. Let's sign the lease. And we did. And yeah, it worked out. But there really is no right time to jump from one thing to the other because it's super scary. Um, like when you're quitting your full time job, I recommend like if anyone's going to do like try to hold on to your day job if you have one, like as long as possible before you really pull that plug because it is scary, but you have to just do it because there will always be something that comes up, some kind of personal commitment or some financial setback. I wasn't ready to do it. My husband and I were in the middle of IVF. And so we had just paid up all this money to try to have a baby. And I think we were still going through our procedures and stuff. And I'm like, I need to quit my job because there's never going to be a right time. And the date that I wanted to quit my job came and went. And then I'm like, I'm just going to do it. So one day I typed up my notice and gave it to my boss. And I'm like, crap. Like, I don't know what we're going to do, but oh well, I guess I'm going to just figure it out. And you do, if you want it bad enough, you figure it out. And so I think um, in another interview, someone, I told them, like, you just jump. It's like sink or swim. And I swam hard. <laughs> yeah, I saw that Kickstarter campaign. I love that. But you you made the decision to jump first, right? And then you chose to do the Kickstarter to kind of mm-hmm. make the money. Yeah. It wasn't like the Kickstarter actually was the make or break. No, it would have just been harder to start. It would just would. I might have even pushed out the, the opening date. There's just so many expenses that even myself, like I've read so many business books like my whole life. because I always wanted to open my own business of some sort. I just didn't know what. There's just lots of things you don't think about and it just kind of adds up. And my day job, I was a project manager. So I had all my project plans and my budgets and everything and still like things come up. It's crazy. So we definitely needed it. And without the help of family and friends, we wouldn't have been able to open when we did. But we were tight on money. You know, I didn't have a ton of startup capital. I, didn't, I wasn't blessed with some trust fund or anything like that. Um, I was in that shop like the coffee shop was really dirty that we took over it was you know there was no one in it it was sticky and dark colors and I'd finish up at the farmer's market on Sunday I'd come to the shop after we got the keys and I was in there scrubbing the floors I scrubbed the grout almost all of it by myself like towards the end my mom and my sister helped me I bought like brushes and sponges and cleaner from the 99 cent store and I'm on my knees and I'm scrubbing grout and I'm just trying to brighten it up because I didn't have money for floors I'm like these floors are nice they're not broken if they can just be cleaned um and then we bought paint I painted the shop we lightened it all up and you know did some repairs changed out the wall outlets so they're prettier you know, scrub the crap out of the windows. They had tons of old stickers and tape and it was a lot of grubby work, but I didn't have, I couldn't pay someone to do it. So we had to do it. So. (laughs) Well, for someone listening who wants to know when to jump ship and move into a commercial kitchen or their own kitchen, what would you say? How did you know? I mean, you had someone working for you, I assume, already. Mm-hmm. You had a certain number of customers, recurring customers. You had a certain number of sales. Yeah. What yeah. was it that really made the difference with knowing, okay, I'm definitely ready to move? I think that one of the perks of starting out as a cottage food vendor is that you do develop a customer base and a little bit of a following. So when you move into a brick and mortar store, you have a little bit of backing. You know that some people are going to go through that, come through that door. You know, it's not just starting fresh. No one knows who you are. You know, going out to the farmer's markets and selling your product as a cottage food vendor, you're marketing. You're basically out there marketing yourself every single week. So you know, you ha- you built you built your customer base. So it's it is definitely one of the a definite plus when you're moving from that business model into like a brick and mortar. Definitely. And how yeah. are you communicating with your customer base outside of the market? Um, well, we're pretty active on our social media. We do interviews. We reach out to local media to come out and visit us. We, you know, provide donations to nonprofits and they talk about us um, like at their dinners or their auctions. And so that's another way that we stay in front of people. I'm lucky to be 
by two very well-established restaurants, the Round Table and Silver Sake Sushi that's next to me. Next to me. And the employees that work there, they promote us too. You know, on Thursday, the team from Silver Sake, they come right before their shift. They come to the pie shop. They buy one or two whole pies and they bring it and they share it with everybody. They share it with their customers even. So I'm very lucky that, yeah. It's a little lucky, but I don't know if you can attribute it all to luck. I mean, I feel like your personality and just how dynamic of a person you are must have made a huge difference on your success. I love people. And I know that everyone that's at all the vendors that I've met at the farmer's market, they love people too. I mean, there's one or two grumps, sure. but (laughs) But mostly, I mean, like it's so much fun being at the farmer's market. It's not just like the camaraderie with the other vendors, like it's just its own little sort of community and the people that come out they're like friendly people you're outside you're in the sunshine everyone is happy and in good spirits and so friendly and you know it's families it's older people it's gosh just everybody they're they're so nice and it's so it's so great being out there that is something I noticed when I sold at the farmer's market. The ones who are selling produce maybe weren't as dynamic, but anyone selling a craft or a food item, I noticed was more of a dynamic personality. Yeah. They were very out there, very engaging with I feel customers. like we love what we do. So you're happy because you're doing something that you love. So the Happy Crepes vendor, you know, Sammy, he's, I mean, his business is called Happy Crepes. So he's got to be happy, but he loves doing that. People that make, they're making their jams and they're, you know, out there hustling, selling their jams and they're selling something that they made. So you take pride in what you're selling so you can, you you know where it came from. You know all about your product. So you want to talk about it. Like, it's like, you just can't like, I've had a couple of people tell me like, okay, you need to stop talking about pie. It's like, I can't, I can't. I think it's just because you love what you're doing and that you're excited. It's exciting and you're happy. So you're just more personable when you're in a great mood, I guess. Yeah, you have a fitting title to your business because you truly do love pie. I do love pie. And that's one of the things about starting a business that's typically considered to be maybe a risk is that you love something, but then when you go into business Mm -hmm. with it, then you fall out of love with it because yeah. you do it so much. Mm-hmm. But I guess it hasn't happened to you. No, and I'm I'm being very careful to not get burned out. I listen to podcasts and interviews with other um, like female entrepreneurs that are also in the culinary and pastry industry. And, you know, they always get asked, like, what would you do different? Or what advice would you have for someone else? And I'm that person, so I'm listening, all ears. And they sometimes they say, you know, they work extremely long hours maybe didn't staff up enough or whatever and I don't want that to happen to me so I'm I'm very carefully watching like the tool that it has on me on some days and making sure that you know I have a solid team that I can rely on and you know kind of give up some of the power and you know delegate and be good at delegating is one thing that I've heard people say that they wish they did better so I'm just trying to learn from other people's mistakes But, um, you know, we've had rough Thanksgivings. Like, I've had two rough Thanksgivings where I slept two hours tops, probably between both of them. And you go to bed really, really late, and you are back at it, like, really, really, really early. And it's brutal. But then it's over, and then you're happy, and you gave everyone pie, and then you start over back to a more regular routine. But there are those kind of, like, tough days. I'm not – I don't see myself getting burnt out. It's just – it's too much fun and creating new recipes and playing with your herbs and your spices with your fruit and just different combinations of things and kind of in putting some savory elements into your sweet pies too it's there's some things that I'm working on and it's it's exciting you're creating so you're an artist of you know your trade when and it just because there's so many different things you can do with pie it just doesn't even get old yeah I'm still loving it. (laughs) I go to bed thinking about it. I wake up thinking about it. I'm like, ooh, yeah, I forgot I wanted to try that, you know, and then like scribbling notes on things. (laughs) Well, so you're talking about the product side of things, which is the fun side Mm -hmm. of things. But I do want to kind of still try to figure out why you were so successful in such a short period of time. And I remember you talking to me that first farmer's market, you talked about your background as a project manager 
Mm-hmm. You're someone who is comfortable with the nuts and bolts, and I want to understand how you think that helped you in this business. Yeah, I did finish college. I went to Sac State for two years, and then I was just working, 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 working. Didn't think school was for me. I just wanted to learn and get like hands-on training wherever I worked. I worked as a hostess at a restaurant. I worked at a hotel as a front desk person. I worked as a project coordinator for business improvement district. I was a marketing assistant for a title company. I did sales for a point of sale um, company in the pay card industry. So like dabbled in a lot of different things that gave me just enough of a rounded skill set so that I could make it if I opened a business. When I first started as a project manager, I worked in the HR department. So I learned all the ins and outs of HR and the people on my team were HR business partners. So they were HR experts. And even now, like I still like will tap on their shoulder and ask them a question about something. So I've kind of dabbled in all of these different industries that you definitely need to know a little bit about when you start. It You can't just have like an amazing product and be a really hard worker. You're just going to work yourself to the ground if you don't have a little bit of business knowledge. And I think that you can get a lot of that too from reading different business books. Like there's a lot of business books like how to start a business, how to run a small business. And it talks about like the basics of public relations and marketing and sales and, you know, all those things. So... For someone who's just starting out, are there any intro tips that you have for knowing how to start a business the right way? I would say to talk to other people who've done it and do sit downs with them and, you know, ask questions. Like, even though I have my shop, I've asked a couple of like really well-established business owners to have coffee with me. So far, no one's taking me up on it, (laughs) but you just kind of have to be brave. And, you know, there's a lot of people that love to see other people succeed and lift each other up. I definitely do. So if anyone ever wanted to like sit with me, like I'd be so happy to have like very candid conversation over coffee and just help people out like I love helping my team that I have now like I have a head pastry chef and she's venturing off and doing her own thing and all I'm doing is like trying to figure out how I can help her knowing that that will result in her leaving me and I will be very sad when that happens but I just love to help people and be like a mentor too so I mean I'm only six months in my business is only two years old But I feel like I have a lot of knowledge to share. And I feel like we're going to definitely make it. We're, you know, our business is growing and we have some amazing plans in store for this year and the future. So I think it's first of all, like see other people that are doing the same thing and learn from their mistakes. There's lots of mistakes that I made already. And every time something happens, I, I look at my head pastry chef and I'm like, do you see that? Don't do that when you do, you know, you have your, uh, concept, like remember that, remember that thing that happened to me. (laughs) I think start there and definitely reading. Um, There's so many books about business and I know it sounds kind of dorky and a little cliche, but I've always been obsessed with reading business books like my whole life. I'm 34 now and since I was 18, I read business books. I, I wasn't really that into fiction. So I just loved reading about because it made me feel like one day I'm going to do that. I'm going to be so knowledgeable <laughs> and it totally, I mean, I still have them. I, when I hired my head pastry chef, I think I gave her a stack of like six books. I'm like, here you go. Read these because these are totally going to help you. This is my favorite. This one will teach you that. And so, yeah. All right. So what's what's your <laughs> number one recommendation? Ooh, I really like this book called Flux. And that's, it's not necessarily about business, but it is about being a woman and juggling like everything in life um just really in a nutshell not to get into details but that one just kind of it just kind of refocuses you and I feel like gave me like a really nice foundation I really love that book I've read it several times um other books about psychology there's I wish I knew I wish I knew you were gonna ask me that I could have come prepared with some of those but well I'll put I'll put links to these in the show oh yeah okay great so then I'll send you a couple of my favorite books Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about your team because most people who run a cottage food business are just doing it on their own. Mm -hmm. But eventually, I know you started with your daughter and it Mm -hmm. was amazing to see how you integrated her. Didn't she design your logo or something? She (laughs) did. 
And how old is your daughter? She's 11. She's going to be 12 soon. Yeah. So that's fantastic that you, you got her involved. But then at some point you started to build a team, right? So what was your first employee? Yeah, I think my first employee was the daughter of another vendor at the farmer's market. And so, you know, we talked and she already knew all about the markets because she was out there. She knew how to set up a booth. She knew how to hold on for dear life when the wind's coming and going to topple you over. She knew all of those things because she worked out there with her dad. So that was cool that she already had all that experience. She was my first one. And then, you know, just kind of reaching out to my network, a gal that I uh, used to work with, her daughter also. You know, she's in her 20s now, but I needed help at the running the markets. I, I couldn't do a Saturday market and bake for the next day. So I couldn't be in two places at once. So that's why... I wanted to expand. But when I was, I got a lot of like really good advice from my own customers out at the market. Some of them are business owners themselves. You know, they're not, you know, cottage food. But one of my customers told me earlier on, you know, he's like, well, make sure, you know, if you continue, if you grow, you know, make sure you teach people how to do what you're doing. Because, you know, I had a friend who had this, you know, I want to say it was like something like an electrical or something. Uh, he's like, you know, electrician and you know, he hired people to help him with the work, but he wouldn't train them how to do like the more important things. And he just got burnt out and then he closed up shop and then he didn't make it. And my customer was like, you need to train some of these younger men to, you know, help you with that work and get an old man, you know? And so I always listened, you know, I always listened to what they say. And I rem- I never forgot that because I really hold on to like the dough making. And at, even in the shop, like I was only the only one making the dough and the only one like rolling it out. And I keep remembering, I hear that customer's voice in the back of my head. It's like, you have to train people on, they can't just assist you with chopping apples. They can't just run the register. Like they have to help me make the product or I, I can't do it all. And so I'm like still working on it, but I'm not the only one that makes dough now. I'm definitely not the only one that rolls it out. And now I'm kind of letting go a little bit. It, it kind of hurts. Like, like I'm letting go of my baby somehow, but I know it's a necessary part of growth. So so you started in March of 2018. Yes. How long did it take before you hired your first employee? Um. So I think it was a year in a couple months, maybe. Yeah. So because that first whole year, I did the whole weekends by myself. And then we were not at the markets January and February of 2019. And then I quit my job in March. And I wanted to be at more than one farmer's market because I had to at this point I needed the money to pay my bills so I expanded to like five farmers markets so that's when I hired my first person it was around like March April of so basically like a year shortly after you were doing like a year straight every single weekend Mm -hmm. you were out at the market yep and you had a job (laughs) and I had a job it was hard I did take like one or two weekends off completely I don't remember why but I did. There was a couple that I wasn't there, but mostly I was out there. I mean, like I had bridesmaids from a wedding that I was in. I think I was the maid of honor <laughs> on a Saturday and we had a wedding. And then I'm like, hey, I'm like, I don't know what you guys were doing between like the the ceremony and the reception, but I'm going home because I have to bake for two hours. So if you guys want to, if, you, if I'm your ride, you're going to have to sit in the living room. And they're just, the bridesmaids are all dressed, sitting there watching me like roll dough and get things in the oven. And like, can we uh, can we buy one of those blueberry pies? We're kind of hungry. <laughs> this is all true story. Uh, <laughs> the adventures. Uh, Great stories coming out of the, <laughs> any business, quite frankly. Yeah. All right. August 22nd, 2019. Mm-hmm. You opened your brick and mortar bakery. Mm-hmm. Walk us through that day. What is that like? Uh, very stressful. Um, we were using two very small ovens because our convection oven was like back ordered last minute and like it was going to be out a week later. So that was pretty brutal. Um, so we had to just get there early that day to make as many pies as we could. I had no idea what to expect because I didn't know how effective our grand opening marketing was. And also, I didn't want it to be too big because I knew that we needed to learn. I was like, we just need just enough customers to like see what worked and what didn't work and then revisit our timelines, etc. And then start again the next day. There were a couple other things that just weren't quite right. And I'm like, 
well, we have to find an alternative solution because we are opening on that day. I didn't want, like, there was, there's this weird, like, point of pride for me to open on time because I was a project manager. I'm like, my project will go live on its live date, period. And, you know, you know, we'd get like this news that this wasn't working or this actually needed, you know, we needed that or whatever. And I'm like, well, then we need to find an alternative solution because we are opening on that day. And even my husband was like, you know, a lot of businesses when they, you know, set their opening date, they, you know, say, hey, we got pushed out because whatever, you know, the county permit needed this now or whatever. And I'm like, the county gave us the green light. So there is no reason why we shouldn't be able to open. I'm like, we are going to open. In hindsight, I probably could have used another week to prepare, but I was like, we are going to make it work, period. Like, I I knew that I have, you know, a solid head on my shoulders. I have two working hands. I'm like, if I have to stay here all night long to fix or do whatever I need to do to prepare, I will. But we are opening. I think everyone worked that day. And my team at the time, I think, was like three or four people. We also gave like free slices of pie to the first 20 customers or 25 customers. I can't remember what we did. So we did a, you know, a little bit of a smaller slice. And so they were doing the complimentary slices and then juggling like new order slices and then whole pies. And then, you know, someone's in the back making sure all those pastry boxes are getting folded and labeled and the stickers and liners and everything looks good. And meanwhile, I'm in the kitchen trying to roll out more dough. And it's like, oh my gosh, like we have a line people like, this is really happening. Like, I need to make more pies. Shoot. And so, like, I'm just making as many pies as I can. And then we had people that were, like, ordering to come pick up more pie in the afternoon. And so, like, at, at one point, I was like, okay, we can't take any more orders. They can't just stay here all night baking pies because I have to prep for tomorrow. Otherwise, I'm going to start behind. And so we sold out that first day. And I think that whole week we sold out. And it was we were selling out later and later and later because we were making more and more pies. And then... Yeah. It sounds stressful. That but first that's day was cut. stressful. And then the part that was really hard is that I think a lot of family and friends maybe don't quite understand that I can't come out. I'm our only baker. You know, people want to come behind the curtain and come say hi to you and come talk to you and congratulate you. And I love that. I love it now. <laughs> but I'm like, hey, oh my God, I, I can't stop. I literally have to rotate a pie right now or it's going to burn. Even now, like people still come to say hi to me and I have to tell my staff, like let people know that I'm working on an order right now because I, so many interruptions, then I'm, I'm there like three hours past closing because, you know, I had all those setbacks. But now that I have help in the kitchen, I'm like, I'm in front all the time. Like, hey everybody, you know, I just want to talk to people again. But yeah, (laughs) that opening day was brutal. But that's the kind of opening day and opening week that you want. Yeah. Yeah. And we had some pretty solid uh, customer service policies in place. Um, if we ever have a dissatisfied customer, we we give them a full refund for their purchase. And then we replace the product for free. So it's kind of like double. And we don't question, like there's no, you don't question the customer. And so I also stress a lot to my people like, this is a pie shop. This is a fun place, a happy place. It's a pie shop. So Let's be happy. And when the customers are coming in, like, you know, let that radiate off of you and it'll be contagious. And so providing really good service, even when people can see that we're like, ah, a little flustered, people appreciate that you're trying and that you care. So before you started the shop, was your home getting overtaken by pie? It wasn't. um, I have a big dining room and I basically took over half of it. So half of one, like our dining room had like a long table on one end and the other end, I basically turned into like a mini commercial kitchen. I had like three stainless steel uh, prep tables. I had, um, you know, my mixers and I had um, a speed rack with like all my sheet racks um, or sheet pans on them. So if you just looked at this tiny little room, it looked like a teeny tiny commercial kitchen. Um, and then I had, you know, my store, my stainless steel storage rack on casters. And I had eventually two of those. One of them had all the pre-folded boxes. Um, other one had like all my ingredients. I also bought like two huge ingredient bins, one for my sugar, one for my flour. Cause those are the things that I used the most of. 
you know, I was buying like 25 pound bags and like filling up my bins. And so it looked like a little commercial kitchen. And I just had to stay very organized with all of that because I was limited like to this small space. So I was fortunate with that. I think before I built that, when I was only doing like 30 pies, you know, I didn't really need a ton of room. So I did take over my kitchen counters. But then I was like, okay, I don't want to be here anymore because it's, I had to like close off the kitchen to everybody. Like, you know, no one can be here. No one can breathe around the pies. Like, get away from here. Don't even think about microwaving a hot, hot pocket and infusing the hot pocket smell into this pie. <laughs> I took over. So then I moved all of the operation except for the baking in my oven, obviously. Everything was in the dining room. And so when it was time to bake, then I'd be like, okay, no one come in here for two hours because I'm going to be using the oven. My house always smelled so good. My mail person would, uh, when they gave me the mail, I was like, what are you doing? Every time I come by here, I'm like, what are they making in there? It smells so good. And I'm like, oh yeah, it's pie. <laughs> She's like, oh my God. Every time I deliver mail to this house. <laughs> well, what has it been like to transition from your home to now being in your own kitchen? It's nice. It's nice that I can turn it off when I go home. Because when it was in there, like I got tempted to like just walk into the dining room and experiment with a different recipe or, you know, do a little bit of prep or, you know, do extra cleaning on whatever's in there. It's just too easy to go back into it. So that was one of the nice things of having the kitchen is that, you know, I could lock up the doors and I go home and then I can be home and not be at work. (laughs) So that was nice. Um, our, our kitchen that we're in now, it's, it's still not that big. It's pretty small, but I was used to navigating, making 300 pies in a much smaller space. So it can be done. (laughs) How has the transition been on the business front? It sounds like you've become more of a manager, which you have experience Mm -hmm. in, but what is it like today for you and your business? Um, I still very active in the baking. I still come in in the morning when our head pastry chef comes in, you know, and our front desk person comes in. I still come in in the morning and I bake and I roll dough and I make the pies. I still want to be making some of the pies and just kind of overseeing the quality, uh, making sure everything stays, just continues to meet my standards. You know, there's a lot of parts that are not fun. Um, like we had to let a person go earlier on and that was that was really sad for me because it was just a necessary thing. The stress of making sure everything's always sanitary and in order and repaired, you know, to be prepared for an inspection and, you know, just for food standards and safety. Um, staying on top of my team um, when they're not like following my gosh darn checklist. <laughs> So those things aren't fun. I wish I could just bake. So I do miss that. Like before I just baked and sold my pies. And now there's like so many different things I have to worry about. Like are we posting enough on social media? You know, we're growing. So we're using a consultant to help with our marketing. Because I know enough to be just a little dangerous. But I don't have the time to do it. Like if I just did the marketing for my business it would be great. If I just did blah for my, it'd be great, but I can't do it all. And so I'm starting to let go of some of the power and, you know, um, consulting with the right accountant and bookkeeper and making sure everything looks good on that end, making sure that the cash boxes are the registers always balancing and, you know, just those kind of annoying things that have to be done. It's like inventory and ordering supplies all the time. Like, how do we run low on that? No one told me. I thought we were set for two weeks and, crap let's figure that out and then those little things stress me out when I'm like I just want to make pie people like (laughs) but um it's a lot smoother now we had to like work out some kinks but I think we're pretty solid now but we're six months in like the first six months we're just figuring things out and just doing the best we can (laughs) but now six months going forward I feel like it's gonna be like not smooth sailing because I'm sure new things will come out but yeah What's, where are you taking this? What's your vision for the future? Uh, we want to increase our production and increase our sales, obviously. Um, we're still not where we want to be. We're almost there. So to be at a steady place where I want to be. And the fact that we're almost there at six months is just kind of a little scary that we're going to outgrow our kitchen too fast. But my goal is to open another location towards the end of the summer. 
And then after that, I want to get a concession trailer. So it'll be a lot easier for us to do festivals and farmer's markets. You know, the whole setup, the whole booth and stuff, that it would eliminate all of that. You just kind of drive up, park, <laughs> unhook it, and you're good. So we have our, our eye on a couple of things like that. Um, doing more markets and events, expanding our menu. Uh, right now, we've kind of been doing mostly just classics. But, you know, we have some more gourmet style uh, recipes of pies that, you know, people have never tried before and fruit combinations. And like I said, you know, in, including some like savory elements to some of the sweet pies. Um, we want to roll some new stuff out like that. We also have a few recipes for like vegan pies. So um, kind of working on some recipes that, you know, kind of cater to different diets and different restrictions that people have and choices. So um, so we can provide pie to everyone. Unfortunately, because our kitchen is the size that it is, we can't safely do gluten-free stuff. So I don't see us going into the gluten-free realm, but um, like vegan pies and, you know, keto-friendly and stuff. Yeah, definitely. But we want to grow. We want to expand. Um, I still kind of want to stay in the suburbs with our second location. And then hopefully next year, open a, a different sort of concept of our pie shop downtown. Downtown Sacramento. Downtown Sacramento is like my end goal. And it would still be a pie shop, but um, a slightly different twist on our concept, which I don't want to reveal too much right now. But (laughs) It sounds like you're definitely moving forward and it's growing and expanding. It's very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It is exciting. And and it it was exhausting. But now it's it's more exciting than exhausting. Well, Diana, I think that you are going to be an inspiration to a lot of people who are trying to go in the direction that you're moving. And you shared a lot of great advice today about how to be consistent and how to market yourself. And it sounds like you put in a ton of work and now you're really reaping the benefits of it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks so much for sharing with us today. Can you tell us where people can find you? Yeah, so our pie shop is at 4949 Marconi Avenue, Suite A2 in Carmichael. Open Thursday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. And on Sundays, 11 to 5. And I think most people are going to be listening from across the country. So where can people find you online and contact you? Uh, (laughs) I can also be found at ilovepiebakeshop.com. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. It was a wonderful interview, and thanks for sharing with us. Thank you. That wraps up the fourth episode of the Forager Podcast. You've got to admire Diana for her work ethic, consistency, and the clear passion she has for her pie business. If you have your sights set on opening a brick-and-mortar food shop someday and would like to get started from home like Diana... Head on over to forager.com to learn about your state's cottage food law. For more information about this episode, go to forager.com slash podcast slash four. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.